Hey, listeners and loved ones. <laughs> this is your pal, Rebel Summers, and I have a very special guest today, my friend Jane, who I've been living with for a week. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a week now. Wow. That's crazy. Um, That's cool. Yeah. And like, we hit it off right away. Mm-hmm. We've been having very deep conversations, very interesting conversations, like every single day. <laughs> throughout the day yes we've pretty much solved all the world's problems like what have we covered we've covered capitalism yes cultural differences between norway and the u.s uh this morning we talked about dreams for our lives Mm -hmm. um i loved that question by the way maybe we can get back into that a little bit more here yeah um but yeah we've We've covered it all, so we'll see if we even have any more things to talk about today, but we'll try. I think it'll come easily. So, yeah. yeah. So, Jane, welcome. Hello. Thank you. And who are you? Well, I guess that's the journey, right? Uh, right now, I guess I'm just the person mm-hmm. hiding out in a beautiful architect-drawn building with you. And the architect who drew it. Mm-hmm. And basically just making ukuleles and <laughs> art. But I guess before I've been working as a designer and a product manager. And now I'm just on the break. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, breaks are good. Breaks are great. We need breaks. To find ourselves, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all in the, the space in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this podcast is basically an audio diary tracking my life uh for the past year now I guess almost year and a half um yeah but I occasionally have friends on and we have good conversations and yeah and I think I want to do more of that so something I think I've asked my other guests are you know, since this podcast is rerouting and about being uprooted and finding yeah. your place and going on the journey. That seems like a great theme. Yeah. Okay, so mm. no pressure to share anything like too vulnerable mm. or sensitive or anything you don't want to. Um, but yeah, I'd love to know about uh, any times you've been uprooted or found yourself in a situation where you were like, what the fuck? And then, you know, moved through it and how how that was for you and what you've got from it or what you didn't, what you're resentful of, <laughs> anything. Well, I feel like the, uh, every now and then I've done, like, you know, course corrections. Mm. And I guess that's a bit of an uprooting, rerouting scenario. Yeah. Uh, and I find that one of the big ones for me was when I was, uh, I sort of stumbled into architecture and I hated it. Sorry, Ben, (laughs) the guy who owns this house and is an architect. Uh, And it was really uh, scary for me to let go of that because it had, like, it was really difficult to get into the studies and it was a lot of, like, status connected to that. And um, my then soon-to-be boyfriend, I just didn't know, he told me that I was in the wrong place and that I should change for design. He also told me that I would be 33.7% more happy in life 
That's I did. very specific. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should give him credit for being right about that. How, what, how did you quantify that? How did you... <laughs> Complete gut feel. Okay. <laughs> just like in this spa- spirit of generosity, we're just giving him that. Okay, great. Um, and uh, for me, it was like to change the design it felt like starting to breathe. Mm. But it was just so scary to let go. Uh, and to let go of like all the acknowledgement I had gotten uh, by getting into that study scene originally. And so uh, design was a little bit of an underdog uh, sort of space at that time. And I was certain that I was just like, you know, choosing passion for myself Mm. uh, and that I would work in a grocery shop, having a master's in my pocket and be like, well, well, it was fun, (laughs) but but it wasn't really, you know, that clever. And then it has been really good, like in Norway, uh, where I come from, which is probably something we should say, but I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, just as I sort of went out of school, it was like a big wave for designers. So my first job was like in a bank, you know, ironic, yeah. very safe, secure compared to my little grocery shop vision. So, uh, so that was like my first, but that also felt like a very, you know, it was a short transition. Mm. You like, you tear up your opportunities one space and you just like immediately inject yourself in a new space. Mm-hmm. But Say, for example, right now, uh, as I have left my then-boyfriend who convinced me to do the design, uh, I am finding how that relationship and my sort of romantic relationship is uh, one of the key drivers and sort of anchors in my life. And now that I don't have that, I'm like wondering, how do I make decisions? Uh, and then also, I, I just like, I have the opportunity to go and travel. So I do that and I make weird art projects. So that's how I spend my life. But I guess like this is a bit of a rerouting process. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, but it's different in the sense that it's like, uh, it's vacuum involved mm. compared to like that. Oh, you are, you shouldn't go there. You should go there. And now it's like, oh, but hold on, how do I make decisions now? Right, because no one's saying to you, you're, you're 33.6% going to be happier if you make this decision. Like, it's all it's all your decision. Yeah. It's 100% your decision and you have no, no idea, like, what's actually going to... Yeah. And I think it's funny because yeah. I think it's actually, right now as we're recording this, I might be 33.6 years old. So it's Whoa. A, a cute coincidence. It's a very cute coincidence. Mm. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, this is a rebooting process. And I, I would say, like, it's been very fun to meet you on the journey, like, when you're sort of on the similar path. Yeah. But in a kind of different way. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And we've talked a lot about, um, yeah, where relationships fall into that and... Um, how they impact us versus us figuring out our relationship to ourselves and moving through the world mm-hmm. in that way. Um, I also have a theme or a thing that I'm wondering about today, yes. which I was going to ask you a little Ooh, bit later. Let's do it. <clears throat> you know when people talk about healing? Mm, yes. Yes. And, and you know, like, uh, when you have a wound, like a physical one, mm-hmm. it's very clear what you're going to do. Sure. It's like you cut your skin open, for example goal is 
skin to go back to where it came from. Yes. <laughs> it's like, it's a very, like, skin should be closed. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we're talking about healing, I feel like there is not that set sort of version of success. And mm-hmm. that can be very confusing because it's sort of implying some sort of success. Mm-hmm. But then again, there is no real sort of definition of it. And maybe there shouldn't be because it should be different for people. Uh, but then again, it's almost like unsettling to be told like, okay, now the journey is to heal. And then it's like, but to what? Yeah. And to what end? Like, I think it's it's such a, a great question. And it's such a, a multi-layered and gradiented answer because it is different for every individual. Like... I think, you know, like what are markers of success? Like how do we measure that? Like we have such a, you know, at least I think for the both of us, we have a very Western view of what that is based on where we were brought up. And then like you have your own nuances to it based on being brought up in Norway versus me being brought up in the U.S. And um, because there are all these different value systems that come into play um, that then become even more nuanced based on like the family of origin you come from and like the environment you grew up in and then like the circumstances that happen in between. And then when it comes to healing, I think there's also, there's such a, a wave right now of it that's really dangerous because it's it's a lot of people and I think we see this throughout history of people seeing a need and seeing people really vulnerable and and wanting something to help their lives because they're in pain and they may not have the tools or the clarity to know what direction to go in and there are people that take advantage of that so there's Mm -hmm. like a lot of I've seen a lot of white supremacy in quote unquote healing and wellness spaces that just exploit people's vulnerabilities um, and just take all their capital, um, but also keep perpetuating a lot of racism and anti-Semitism mm-hmm. and xenophobia and and disassociation. There's like a lot of disassociated like coping mechanisms instead of like really getting to like Mm -hmm. what may be the root of someone's issues and actually helping them out so and we've talked about this too is like getting really specific Mm -hmm. with our words and what we mean when we say things like healing or um like platitudes we've talked about platitudes and how empty they are yeah like because when you talk about you say like um and especially you know after a breakup you go like oh it's time to heal and Mm -hmm. and, you know find yourself and um uh, for me i'm like yeah sure i I want to do that (laughs) yeah uh but at the same time it's like uh, what is it and i don't know if i need it but maybe i do and uh, then i find uh, you've been telling a lot of stories of like these uh, you know, very down to earth things that you've done to sort of fill some of these things with meaning for me. And uh, for example, when you talk about like, ah, oh, 
uh, we have to love ourselves. It's like, I don't know if I don't. <laughs> How do I know if I don't love myself? I don't feel like I don't love myself. And then it's like, it, you had this thing where you said just about getting to know your basic needs mm. and also you put words to how you weren't listening to those and that mm. gives a picture yeah. for others e.g. me to to go in and be like ah oh, do I do that or not and then that's a lot easier to do and you maybe could tell that story if you haven't done it already about like just yeah those uh, that first beginning of trying to sort of listen more to yourself yeah yeah and I may have talked about it on the podcast mm. I don't know in how much detail but basically what Jane's referring to is um, when I was first diagnosed with fibromyalgia and realized I needed to um, stop working um, and just completely change my relationship to how I was living my life and my relationship to work and also my relationship to myself because I was in so much pain all the time and getting sick all the time. And this had been um, something I'd been challenged with throughout my entire life. And so I realized in the the beginning that it, it really was basic things like, um, paying attention or noticing, just noticing like when I needed to go to the bathroom, when I was hungry, when I was too hot, when I was too cold, when I was tired, um, and then acting on those needs. And then not only that, but then um, trying to manage or understand the voice in my head that would then judge me for those needs or tell me I was a burden mm. um, for those needs, whether I was by myself or when I was like with other people and needing to take care of myself. And that began like a whole shift mm. in my entire life. And those are, you know, those are very concrete things to do, but you don't necessarily think about it that way because some like those things are supposed to come naturally to people but if you, also if you're not conditioned to pay attention to them cuz you're emotionally or physically taking care of other people it's not <laughs> like you have to really step back and go oh oh actually like listening to those things and taking care of them um is loving myself and I often I have to think of myself like as a little baby version like mm. if I were taking care of myself as a child like I would help them navigate those needs because that's what's needed and that's what's important for them um yeah and that was a huge huge shift in my life and just the beginnings of what I feel is like really loving and caring for myself yeah, and it's also, I find that it's difficult to um, put words to the banalities or like stuff that is so ordinary mm -hmm. that it's like everyone is taking it for granted. And yeah. then it's also impossible to know if you have sort of the, the bottom layer of your needs met because no yeah. one is putting words to them. Yeah. Uh, and I find that that's a pattern that keeps on repeating those things that everyone is like, yeah, but we know that. 
So like, but do we though? Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's ironically a very difficult space. Yeah. So, so even though, you know, you could probably put many chapters to that story, you know, like okay, yeah. basic needs, you can do other things as well. Yeah. Uh, but I find, find that that's a good way of talking about, okay, what is the content of, for example, self-love? But then you do have other places in life where it will be right to ignore your basic needs for a little while. Like when you're running a marathon. Yeah. And like, if you've done that, great, do that. But it's just something about like finding whatever is sustainable for you. Yeah. And if we go a little bit back to sort of the healing question, because this is what I've been thinking about today. Mm -hmm. Then um, I think sort of a possible vision for an end goal scenario of like, whoa, you're healed. Um, To whichever extent you want to define that. Yeah. Can be, you know, that during a day or during most of the days you end up in sort of a surplus you have a couple of things that deplete you of energy you have a couple of things that fills you with energy and sort of within a certain span of time you end up in a plus and you're not just yeah. like continuously grinding yourself down even though it's sometimes very little that sometimes i feel like people and maybe myself included are just like in a small sort of depleting route and over time that won't work yeah it's not sustainable and I also find that that's a good way of looking at it because then it's your job becomes like okay what are the things that fills me what are the things that depletes me yeah and then your job will be to like ah learn from that try to put in more of the stuff that fills try to put out more of the stuff that sort of depletes and that will be different for everyone yeah and I feel like that's actually the that was the next step when I had that foundation of just my basic needs that I could then hone in on okay what is dragging me down and what is actually like you know as Con Marie says sparking joy and like what is giving me energy and making me feel not just rested but rejuvenated and excited about life and and that's really important to figure out like oh these are my boundaries these are my limits Mm. and they kind of they're a bit more malleable than like the basic needs like the basic needs just need to be met because they keep us going and keep us alive Um, but the other stuff is like, okay, just like noticing you and your relationship to others in the world around and yeah, it's basically just taking your external stimuli Mm -hmm. and it's running the data through your internal system and, and figuring out what works and what doesn't, um, and what's also what's you Mm. what's coming from you and what's coming from someone else because I think that's that's something that I have struggled with too is like having this enmeshed yeah um almost um very egocentric um reaction to just like taking things on and taking them personally um when they're really not it's not my stuff and I don't have to like I can let it go or put it back (laughs) or just like not respond um yeah so do you have an example of that because i think that's also interesting we were talking Mm. about um you know in this uh vision you're trying to create where you are being filled in Mm. and depleted in a sustainable way yeah i think it can be easy to confuse sort of what is an outer 
interpretation of something that should fill you. Mm. And like you will go and you will try to do that or you will think that it's yours because it's like it just comes to us. It's not like we reflect on every decision that we make and thank God for that because it yeah. would be a lot. Oh yeah, no, it's that we can't do that. Exactly. Our brains would literally explode. Yeah, yeah, so every now and then we will find ourselves going down a route maybe for years mm-hmm. where we're spending our time on something that sort of is told to us uh, going to fill us with energy. But mm-hmm. when you sit down and you try to like remove external stimuli like great job, well done, mm-hmm. all of these like things... Do you like really feel filled by that? And I think that can be difficult sometimes. Yeah, I mean to the do that distinction. The immediate thing that I think about is my relationship with my family. Yeah, you know, realizing that I, um, that the feelings of depletion that I would feel, the feelings of um, feeling invisible and not belonging, and. Um, trying to figure out how how to do those things, those intrusive thoughts that I'm not doing enough, that yeah. it's clearly it's something with me, something's wrong with me, that I'm feeling this way with these people when things look a certain way. Um, that, that was a tough reality for me. Mm-hmm. Um, realizing that that family unit was, was the thing that was depleting me um, and causing me a lot of pain um and with no like interest in shifting that like in order for me to continue living in that environment i would have to just accept living with that kind of pain um and since i was working on not living in chronic pain anymore mm. and not doing things that were harmful to me um renegotiating my my exposure to my family and the dynamics of my family um had to change and no one else was really willing to work with me in collaboration with that to make that change and so i had to to be the sole change cuz it was I'm the only thing that I could control in that scenario. Mm. So, um, yeah, that was a, a big one. And it's it has changed my life in a myriad of ways. Some still very, like, emotionally painful and um, scary ways. But, like, also it's opened up so much space in my life for... Um, a lot of people and things to come in that wouldn't have had the space to come in um, and for me to put my safety and well-being first, yeah. which there was no room for in my family ever, which is just, it still blows my mind and it's its deeply, it's troubling, it's troubling. Yeah, yeah. I get that. And I think you're also pointing to a good uh, point that I I heard the analogy of like, if you have a plant that doesn't thrive, like, do you bloom the plant or do you mm. just move it to a new space? Yeah. And I think it's a good picture of yourself. Like, uh, there's this discussion as well about platitudes, like, it, 
changing yourself versus not and like what is yourself yeah and i feel like you have a layer of a lot of choices that you can make in terms of like who you want to be as a person like who do i how do i want to react to space like how do i want to act lots of uh, opportunity to maybe shape yourself yeah but when it comes to where you get your energy from uh that stuff is i think more difficult to change like what gets you excited is like what are you going to do about that like yeah you just have to accept that that is sort of an, a foundation to live with and yeah. for me it feels like that's more to the heart of like who you are and then i would say there is a bit of acknowledging that who you want to be is also a big part of who you are because you will strive to bring more of that in and stuff like that yeah but then going to your sort of example with your family like no matter how you would change like what the layers that you had to work with still wouldn't change the fact that you didn't have the foundation that sort of works well with your energy levels or whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. and it, you know it's the single job that no one else can do, do for us it's just like guard that we are able to function and do stuff and that requires us to to have that attention to like do i get enough of that filling versus the depletion And then the right thing sometimes is to sort of change location. But that is so brutal emotionally. Yeah. Like human beings don't like to lose things. No. And yeah. especially, you know, a family relationship is just so unsettling to let go of. So like big honors to that. <laughs> uh, because And I like, it's probably going to be, you know, something that will be a source of thought and a reflection for a long time maybe yeah. forever who knows yeah so but still i think it's the right decision as long as sort of that situation is not suited with that bit that we can't change about ourselves then that's the only tool that we have yeah put the plant in a new location yeah yeah i love that and i feel like I feel like that's a message that a lot of people need to hear because especially with like family relationships or things that, you know, we're told are, you know, forever and like no one's going to love you, mm. like your family loves you, um, all of these things that, you know, for those of us who didn't experience those things, like it's just... Yeah. It's just not true. So to to realize that like incompatibility in families does exist and you know when it's also a situation like where there's abuse and maltreatment and neglect and all these things like you don't have to stick around that like you you are allowed to thrive in mm -hmm. other places and um yeah, I think you know people want someone to blame in those situations but it it's a uh, yeah yeah it's really tricky it's really tricky but i think it's really interesting because in sort of the work that you do when you let go of such a big part of sort of a social circle is that you feel like you can put yourself into the vacuum right mm. and that is not comfortable um And I'm also thinking about like if you have been in a situation where you've never been modeled a good relationship, 
uh, I think it can be valuable to try to describe a little bit like what are you looking for as you're putting yourself into a vacuum if you have to do that in life. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, maybe a good model is to just try out a different couple of different social circles. And what you're looking for is that you shouldn't feel stressed out about as sort of trying to adapt your behavior to be accepted right like there is a version like maybe there's just a type of uh, sort of people that you're looking for but there will be a place where sort of your way of acting and your default actions where you don't really think much about what you do before you do them yeah is just accepted Mm -hmm. and given room yeah just be and being met with you know someone maybe building upon your idea or conversation or so if you're in a space where you feel like you have to double think on every action Mm. that you do either you're just sort of keeping a pattern from wherever you came from yep uh, and it's not actually your surroundings that are creating it it might be you but there you shouldn't have to think about that right you should have to you should be able to just relax and then at the other side of the interaction you feel a little bit invigorated you know a little bit happy yeah yeah I think it's it's a really big deal to um unlearn and untangle all of like the stories Mm. that you grew up thinking about yourself based on how you were mirrored or not or you know just based on how you needed to survive certain situations when you were a child and helpless and all of this stuff and to finally become an adult and be like okay now where where am i yeah. underneath all of that and it's it really is amazing when i've noticed for myself when i finally gotten to that place where i just i don't even think yeah. about not being myself and i know that when i do when i start like the rationalizing and the intrusive thoughts i know that something's up And something is like triggering an old story and I have to, you know, be with that and figure out what that is. But it's amazing to just like exist Mm -hmm. as yourself and accept yourself. And it doesn't mean that like you're going to be like that forever, but it's more like being present with who you are in the moment and as you go about your life and change, because we're going to continue to change. Like there may be Mm -hmm. some like essence of us that's stable throughout our lives but we're also constantly transforming beings and it's nice to be able to just exist in that and let let that happen agreed and so just like do you have a picture of who you are as you like uh it might seem like something that is obvious to you now Mm. but say that you were to explain sort of who you are to your previous self before you knew about it like how do you do that yeah it's interesting I mean what's interesting is I feel like as a young person I knew I was this person and I was just so confused because the messages I would get from others, particularly adults, yeah. were showing me that I was someone different than I felt that I was. 
Do you uh, have examples? I do. I mean, my mom all the time would tell me what a difficult baby I was and then but and throughout my life would just treat me as if I was just a difficult human. I mean, and even just the thought of labeling an infant as difficult just like when I really let that sink in it really broke my heart because I was just a baby like I had no other ways to communicate I had no other ways of taking care of myself or getting needs met like I was a powerless when your infants are powerless and we rely on our caregivers but aren't babies supposed to be difficult like that's the deal it's like a thing that sorry not the thing it's a human uh that has needs and then it's like one way of getting attention which is eh. yeah you cry yeah you cry um yeah so so that's has been carried or i had been carrying that with me for a really long time and it does still pop up in my head especially Mm. when i think about like possibly interacting with members of my family who I know categorize me in this way. And it's mm-hmm. only because, not because they know me as a person or have even attempted to be curious about me and um, as I've grown, but have just like held on to that narrative and used that to, you know, as the basis for them interacting with me. Um, there were also, I remember I would get a lot of slack for um like I used to take really long showers to get ready especially if um like I knew there was an event or something I Mm -hmm. had to go to and I had to look a certain way for like I think I was very very aware of how I would be perceived Mm -hmm. as you know, someone conditioned as a a girl and a woman. And so, you know, there are all of these rituals that we're expected to do. And so, of course, I engaged in them, but then I'd be made fun of by my family and be made to feel like I was high maintenance and all these things when really, like, I felt trapped. I didn't, you know, think that I could, you know, go out in the world as anything else. And I was really struggling with that and really any any time I'd be struggling with anything Mm. um yeah I was just I was someone to be ignored or it wasn't a big deal and um yeah I'm someone to be dismissed um and that that was my entire time with my family unless I was useful to someone Mm. in some way is very transactional. So I'm I'm only valuable mm. in relationships if I'm found to be useful in mm. some way. But if I have any needs or if I need, you know, some kind of usefulness my way too much. Oh wow. Yeah. So I've had to untangle a lot of that within mm. myself. Um but I think it's really interesting with those uh, stories as well because I feel like people are not uh, sort of paying enough attention to those habits they have towards certain people. Yeah. Uh, I can easily see 
you know, the pattern of someone being the one that you make fun of if a, in a group. Like, it happens mm. all the time. All the time. Uh, and I think it's being completely ignored how much damage that can have. Like, small actions systematically over time. Even the jokes that we're making. Mm. We're thinking they're, they're fun and we're like, just that's just our group dynamic. Mm-hmm. That's the person we make fun of. Like... It should be paid attention to for every human out there. It's like if you've done the joke more than three times, yeah. it's like time to find a new joke yeah. or, you know, move it to some other person in the group because because it's really difficult to, to stand up for yourself as yeah. you're being the one sort of being the subject of small things like that and over a lifetime. Yeah, and if, some of them were big things too, like, you know... Um, yeah, there was a lot of just like, there were really bad things that happened and I would say something and just would get nothing. And yeah. so how do you, how do you build trust in yourself and how do you build trust in other people with, with your stories if like, yeah, you know, really bad things that happen to you that are not your fault or not taken seriously? Yeah, and I would just sort of echo that twice in a way because um first of all I would say those small things are big things yeah it's 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 super difficult to to acknowledge them as like a big thing uh but the systematicness and especially you know when it's happening in your family uh and you know I think my family as well is guilty of that like Mm. with certain things for certain people you end up changing their picture of themselves like so so uh it's a cool tool that can be used for good things, mm-hmm. but they say that family branding, like saying we're a family that does this and this, is actually changing behavior pretty dramatically. So you have a, a great tool for putting people in a positive direction, but you mm-hmm. also have a great tool for breaking people down without knowing it. Yeah. And so for you as well, with like stuff like this also happening. It's like you've sound like you've been gaslit, you know, oh, in situations where yes, where constantly you are talking about something that is big for you and you're not being acknowledged or like not you're not getting the presence of the room in a way, mm-hmm. which is terrible. Yeah. Uh, but you know, as a as a sender of these kind of things, I find that when people are being confronted by uh, the fact that like, oh, I did this, which felt like a harmless thing from me mm-hmm. because it did it you know I just we always joke about that person always mm-hmm. forgetting stuff yeah but what when you do that you you're almost like depriving them of the opportunity to be that person that f- remembers stuff mm. because yeah. it will be difficult for them to change the story without changing environment completely yeah so I think it's it's something to be man- mindful of for everyone around us like try to put out the stories that build people up Mm-hmm. And and don't uh, don't underestimate the power of like small comments. Yeah, and I'll, I mean, I just I think about um, yeah, that makes me think about how important it is to allow people to grow and change. Because um, at least it, in my experience with my family, so much is so stagnant. Even when there's the appearance mm-hmm. that changes being made there is so like the underlying dynamics and roots of things Mm. have not been pulled up and examined in any um 
genuine way to really cultivate any change. And so when any change would happen, specifically in my experience, um, I would be faced with hostility and Mm. punishment and critique. And that's not a loving environment. Um, And that's just for changing. That's not even doing anything wrong Mm. or heinous. Like the, the reaction is way inappropriate to um to the not even an event yeah like it could just be me um not wearing makeup in front of my grandmother or telling my mom hey I can't come to dinner tonight I'm really tired from working like those those two specific examples too then resulted in like very harsh consequences and that's bonkers that is bonkers uh but i think it's interesting to talk about you know um i feel like whenever you're trying to get someone to stop to do things a good way to do it is to give sort of the alternative Mm -hmm. action and i also think it's interesting to think about like how do we want to treat other people in the similar situations so have you thought about how you would have been like to be met in situations like this? Say you were in front of your grandmother without makeup. Oh, yeah. I, uh, in that situation, I would, it, would like it to not be a topic of conversation. Like, yeah. it's just my face. Yeah. My face is great. It is what it is. Like, I, nothing needs to change. If I want to wear makeup, you know, that's my decision. If I don't, that's my decision. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. So if it would not be brought up, that would be ideal. Because who cares? Um, and then, you know, with my mom and and the other situation I mentioned, just, you know, that one spun into her telling people that I was avoiding her. So lying to others, making up a story, convincing herself of this story. Yeah. Um, and then resulted in a, a phone call where I'm, you know, just like viciously attacked by her and my father have resources removed that I was relying on during the beginning of a global pandemic. And that led to the estrangement, but that was also not the first time anything like that happened. Mm -hmm. And the reason that ended in the estrangement was because it was a pattern of behavior that I was not willing to put up with anymore, yeah. you know? So in that situation, I would have loved like a, oh, we'll miss you at dinner tonight. Maybe um, I'll try to safely, you know, visit you at a time that's convenient for you so we can have some time together. Yeah. Or like, like what is the, the emotion, like trying to figure out what the emotion underneath the upset for me you know, saying, I'm really exhausted. I can't come to dinner tonight. Mm. Um, you know, and just saying, oh, well, you know, I really miss you and wish we could spend time together. So I don't know, can we try and figure out how to do that, even though it's crazy right now and yeah. and stuff like that. Um, There's also an alternative pattern that could be done there, which is uh, to sort of try to understand what made you uh, 
exhausted. Yes. Yeah. So so like uh, what I would normally do with my friends when I'm like trying to gauge if like is it systematic over time or is it just now? Yeah. Because it's like, <clears throat> do I need to come with extra support? Like, do I need to come with dinner? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's stuff that I want to figure out, and then I would go and be like, okay, too bad that you can't make it. We'll do it another time. Uh, just to make sure, like, hey, I'm seeing that I also want to see you in the future. Now, this would be a friend relationship, though. Yeah. And but the, it could work for family relationships with romantic true. relationships. Like, I feel like these are just like common courtesy. Yeah. Like curiosity things and relating to one another. Like, if if she had asked, oh, what's going on? Yeah. Um, you know, I could have said like. You know, I've just started this business mentorship group, but I'm going through this transition and it's taking a lot of time and energy to adjust. And I just, I don't feel safe driving Mm -hmm. right now. And also with the pandemic stuff and like being a chronically ill person and, you know, my mom has diabetes, so she's an at-risk person, like just wanting to make sure being safe and like this weird time and, you know... It, it you're right like all it takes is just like asking a few questions and you know not making up your own story about other people absolutely i also find that in some relationships people come with that as a default mm. but in some cases you don't feel safe to so yeah in new relationships for example i think is a really good way of showing like i'm interested in hearing the backstory uh but you know with my background as a designer we often interview ourselves we're very oh. cute like that. Ooh, that is very cute. Tell tell us more. Yes. Tell us more about that process. What yeah. is that like? Uh, well, it's, I feel like it's a, a lot of like self-reflection where people mm. go like, oh, I'm really tired. And then you just continue telling about why. Yeah. So, <laughs> And what is, so as you talk about it, then if you can also answer like what, what is valuable about that in design specifically? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so this is one of the like, um, if you talk about the sort of bottom foundations of the culture that is sort of uh, this, the design process is built upon, mm-hmm. there are a couple of things that seems to be happening all the time. And one of them is trying to understand why. So the, the tool that we're talking about is uh, mentioned in several different processes, like several of these like agile things. Uh, it's called Five Whys. And it's really annoying to ask why, actually. So ironically, <laughs> it's like a, it's a, like the most annoying way you can uh, execute on this is by taking it literally and going like, so I want to hang up a picture, but why? <laughs> oh my God, it's like a little kid going, exactly. why? Exactly. Why? So you, why? Can, you can rephrase it in a different way, which is yeah. a little bit more like not three-year-old-y. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Usually if I go like the straight way, uh, way, I have to like preface with like, this is a method and we're trying to figure out stuff. So bear with me. Or you can go like, oh, why are you, why do you want to hang the picture there? Or, you know, mm. like be curious, basically. You're trying to understand sort of what led that person to the uh, desire of hanging that picture there. Yeah. Or, you know, something with a picture. And then the person might end up saying like, oh yeah, I actually have a hole in the wall behind there. You know, and there's like, oh, but you can solve that in a different way. Mm -hmm. We don't have to hang up a picture. 
we can hang up, you know, something else or, you know, just fix the wall. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, and then you might ask like, okay, but why do you have that hole in the wall? Well, I have a, a kid with a lot of tantrums who actually have a lot of holes. Yeah. Like, you see, there's like these stories that are yeah. unfolding. And for us in design, we're looking for the needs to be met, right? Mm -hmm. And we want to address the right one. Sometimes people come to us with... Uh, with the solution and then you want to go as close to the root cause of it as possible so that you're actually sort of meeting the accurate need in the most sustainable way so in this yeah. case maybe it's that tantrum of the kid that should be addressed and mm -hmm. there might be tools there um, you don't know and so there is just this is just like so uh, mind-blowing how different directions that question of like why or that curiosity to why yeah. is leading you in new courses that you just didn't see coming i have a great example from um it's supposed to be you know one of the airports here in london where they had done their statistics and they were looking at the behavior of all their people and they saw that you know there's just masses of elderly people going into the toilets and by sort of every calculations there are too few toilets mm. so they decided that they will build more and that's like the most expensive thing that you can do in a building water mm. in a building let's not do that unnecessarily so uh, ironically there was a person saying like but why are they going to the toilet and it's like the the answers seem very obvious but when they went in there and observed they saw that people were listening to the to the sound, oh, like the speakers. It had the best, oh wow, Yeah, okay. because as your uh, hearing is aging, it's more yeah. difficult to to hear certain sounds and it was yeah. difficult to hear what and was said. And it's more concentrated in a smaller space, mm -hmm. yeah. So they were listening to the, to the information about the next flights. So they weren't even really going to the bathroom, yeah. yeah. They weren't even using the mirrors, like they weren't using nothing. <laughs> Uh, and so the solution to that problem became not to get better speakers, but to get more silent information. So there's mm. a lot more signage now, and then, of course, you have to adapt yeah. that stuff. But it's a great way of showing how important it is to understand why people are doing things. Yeah, and because to not assume. Absolutely. But it's, you know, a trap that everyone goes into. Yeah. I think yeah, myself included many times. Oh, yeah, totally. So, uh, and especially, you know, when we're emotionally triggered, it's like difficult to have this like outward curiosity towards other people. But when we do, I find that it really uh, sort of, it deepens connections. Mm -hmm. It makes it so much more easy for us to, to help out in the right way. Uh, and, you know, the story that you told about like being anxious to drive, having all of these thoughts for health, both for you and your mom, and like all of these things could have had different ways of collaborating. You know, she could yeah. have been like, oh yeah, that's a good point. And maybe we should do like a digital hangout. Like there are so many ways of meeting, but when you sort of go very off on that immediate space, it's often end up being a little bit haywire. Yep. But it is a little bit difficult actually. The first time you try to be curious, not to be annoying. Mm. So, so like, I feel like the best way of um, trying to adopt to a tool like that is to just like try to be like, let's be curious about why stuff is going on. And when people are like reacting to why you're asking that many questions, just try to answer with like, I'm sorry, I'm like, I just wonder about this or this. And mm -hmm. sometimes if people have a very specific theory of like, is this happening? 
uh, try to ask that question instead yeah. of like asking why and see if people answer what you're trying to do because it's a very weird yeah. dynamic. I think there's a lot of, um, of power in saying, ooh, your response, I, you know, felt, I started like hearing these thoughts and I felt this way. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure that like, this isn't something personal or, or yeah. whatever, like just being really specific and vulnerable about it mm-hmm. as possible. Cause it does take practice to, to be curious and to, um, not project your own, mm-hmm. um, hurt feelings or insecurities on another person, but also just like wanting to make sure you're good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it takes a lot of practice to to do that, I think. It does, but I think it's uh, it's a lot of good stuff happening when you just like narrate your thoughts. Yep. Uh, which is also something I do, and especially when I get nervous. Mm. Very weird habit to have. Like I get more and more honest, the more nervous I become. Yeah. <laughs> and so whenever it's really embarrassing, my own reflections, uh, I tend to also say them louder. Yeah. <laughs> As if, you know, it requires more force to get him up, but the result is really weird. So it's really funny, like, you know, that I was a a singer for a really long time. And one of the things, um, one of the valuable lessons I learned Mm -hmm. in that time um, as I was training was, if you're going to make a mistake, just make it loud. Yeah. Yeah. Just like get the mistakes out. Just get them out. Like, because if you, you try to avoid them you're going to inhibit your voice and you just, if you're going to sing it wrong, sing it wrong. Yeah. Then you can, you know, work on, you know, fixing it later. <laughs> That's true. So in this case, you're talking very literal. Like you, you're, yeah. you're putting a lot of effort in like, uh, you're trying to nail this song and then you try not to go like with less volume for the bits that you're insecure about. There's like more volume for the the yeah, about, just yeah. just be wrong out loud okay, and fun. and learn from your mistakes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I do also have the option where I sort of say nothing if I get mm, nervous. I do that too. But yeah. uh, I do prefer the version where I just say everything. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just first of all more fun. Yeah, uh, and I also find that it often like cleans up mistakes. Mm. Uh, it's like when you go into a room and you're like oh all of a sudden I get a little bit nervous by the fact that you are all here and mm-hmm. I didn't wear the same thing as you like all of these reflections everyone can relate to them yeah yeah it does have a way of like putting people yeah. at ease by just naming yeah the thing mm. yeah so I find that it's the better strategy but it's really funny uh, because I end up confessing so much weirdness. <laughs> so uh, I'm like, I'm torn, but I still, I think I will keep on doing that. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it seems to be working well for you so far. <laughs> you don't know who my friends are at all. Or at least if we're now friends, then one down. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. Mm. Yeah. Was that the conversation then? I think so. Yeah. I'm feeling like a yeah. natural, natural Agreed. end. Well, what I did want to share mm. with the audience, which I think will be a great way to end, cool. is the um, uh, the fun 
linguistic <laughs> play on words yeah. that you told me yesterday about the... The fart? Yes. I think we should end with that. Yeah, we should that. Yeah. Okay. So one of the difficult things about being a Norwegian is that some of the words in Norwegian is a different word in English. And, and to exemplify that, we have, it's not the fart that kills, it's the smell. Yes, which is, we can all agree. Yeah, it really yeah. does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but fart in Norwegian means is fart, and that's speed. And uh, smell in Norwegian is smell, and that's uh, uh, impact. So the actual thing that I'm trying to say with that word is like, it's not the speed that kills, it's the impact. But the fact that it's not the fart that kills, it's the smell also works. It's and just so good. It's the same the same sentence and yeah. the same sentiment. It's, yeah. yeah. It's great. It's great. It's great. So listeners and loved ones, it's not the fart that kills, it's the smell. And it's not the speed that kills, it's the impact. Word. Yeah. Mm. All right. Talk to y'all next time. <laughs>